Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For the past several weeks, our readings have focused on the fruits of faith. Through the gospel, the good news of sins forgiven in Christ, we have heard that that not only brings about a restored relationship to God, it not only brings you a perfect standing before the Lord based on what Christ has done and what He has given to you, the Gospel also compels us and leads us to serve and love our neighbor by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So we heard about the fruits of the Spirit a few weeks ago. Uh, we heard about the parable of the Good Samaritan, which we see fulfilled in Jesus, but which Jesus also tells us, go, do likewise, have mercy, like God has mercy upon you. And so in the last few weeks, we have heard these exhortations to serve and love our neighbor. In today's reading, there's a woman named Martha who's doing just that. Right? She's serving like crazy. What was the occasion? Well, it's a pretty big deal. Jesus had come. And not only had Jesus just come in a general way, He'd come to her house. Imagine that stress if the house is clean enough and things are ready, right? Understandably, understandably, Martha gets hopping with hospitality. Her sister Mary, on the other hand, not helping <laughs> at all. Mary is planted at Christ's feet. She's just sitting there. She's listening, but she's just sitting there while her sister uh, works, right? Stressed out. This isn't fair, Martha reasons. I need some help. So, hmm, let's see, who can I go to who can make this happen, right? Jesus. Jesus is going to make it right. So I'll go to him. So that's exactly what she does. Martha goes up to Jesus, right? And says what we probably would expect. Lord, uh, don't you care <laughs> that my sister has left me to do all this work? Tell her, tell her to help me. And the Lord addresses the issue. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Wow. Surprise, surprise. Jesus fixes the problem, but not in the way that Martha thought would happen at all. What was the problem? Martha served to such a degree that her serving was actually a distraction from what was happening in human history. I mean, think about it, guys. She's actually hearing Jesus teach and preach, or He's there teaching and preaching. I'm too busy. Think of that. Jesus had come to her house, and He had come, right, not to be served, although it certainly was culturally expected, but he came not to, not, to, not to be served, I mean, not to be served by her, but to serve her, to serve others, right? To serve her with his word. 
with his teaching, with God's love, with God's spirit. He was there to, to pour out all those things. And she missed it. She missed it. Amid her distracted serving, Martha just didn't see the need to stop the business of busyness, right? The business of busyness. She didn't see the need to be served by Jesus, how important that was. To be changed by God's Word. And as I mentioned to you at the beginning, as we opened up our service today, that's what's going on in all of the readings for today, appointed for today. Right? God's Word changing people. It's jumping off the page. Those who encounter the Word of God are changed in stunning and amazing ways uh, by the power of God's Word and His promise uh, that comes to fruition, right? So consider Abraham and Sarah, right? What a, what a great, great example of the power of God's Word. So you may have noticed that in our Old Testament reading, when the Lord comes to Abraham, right, disguised, uh, if that's what you want to use, or appearing as three men, uh, the patriarch gets hopping to hospitality, right? It's cultural expectation. Abraham offered to care for the Lord, but the service that the Lord would offer him would, would be far greater than what he gave back to the Lord, right? God had come to announce that Abraham and Sarah would now have a child, right? He, he, made, he reiterated this promise that he made a long time ago. How long ago? About 24 years, okay? 24 years. And now, after 24 years, uh, wasn't it too late? Come on, really? It's too late. Sarah's child-producing years had come and gone. It was impossible, through ordinary means at least, it was impossible for her to have a child. God's promises seemed absolutely ludicrous, right? Ridiculous. No way, Yahweh. Ain't happening. Abraham, and both of them, here's the thing, had kind of laughed at this notion, right? Abraham had done it back in Genesis uh, 17, and now Sarah too kind of laughed at this whole idea that Abraham and her would be having a child. And so the Lord responds to that, right? Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh at my promise? And that's what she did, right? I've heard it kind of exegeted, interpreted other ways, but you stick to this text. Why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? That's, the, that's what she's laughing at, this idea. Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Ain't going to happen. And then God's response is great. He asked this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the expected answer is no! Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing! Is anything too hard for the Lord? No! And then he tells the time of this promise and its fruition, right? At this time next year, I will return to you 
and Sarah shall have a son. And she did. Right? Isaac. And his name, of course, means laughter. Right? A laughter that once just mocked the promises of God now is, is springing forth in joy at the fact that he made good on this seemingly impossible promise. But that's what God does. Is he delivers time and again on his promise, right? That's what he did to Abraham. Time and again delivering on his promise, right? Planting, working, and sustaining faith in Abraham through the power of his word and promise. Right? Is anything impossible for the Lord? No. He calls Abraham. Right? His father's a wandering Aramean. He's a pagan. Calls him out of his, his disbelief and and brings him to faith. Is anything impossible for the Lord? No. And Paul says the same thing. Right? Paul says the same thing. You think Abraham and Sarah's thing is tough. What about people who are absolutely just hostile to God? Right? That's just as difficult of a task. Right? Paul proclaims God's word to plant, work, and sustain faith in hostile sinners, in rebellious creatures, right? And he links stable and steadfast faith to God working in the gospel. Paul links stable and steadfast faith to God working through the gospel. And you're no different. God serving you, right? Serving you through His Word. Changing you through His Word. Right? Look at what the Gospel produces and in whom it produces faith. Right? Paul says, you, you're once alienated and hostile in mind. You're doing evil deeds. But then what happened? Um, Christ comes and reconciles, repairs that relationship uh, in the body of His flesh by His death and presents you to God holy and blameless. Right? And you hear that, and it changes your heart. It, cha- it, it changes your view of God, right? God is not uh, someone, again, oh, we've got to get busy serving, otherwise He's going to be upset. No, He's here to serve us. Right? And we can't say yes. The Bible is clear about that, right? That's synergism. No, if it's faith, it's all God's work. But we can say no. So Paul says, continue in that faith, right? Continue to receive that word. It is interesting how the gospel changes things when you truly see what's going on, right? So this happened with Martin Luther, obviously, um, a learned doctor, right? where initially he saw the gospel as an additional uh, additional over and above the law. Well, we got the law of Moses, uh, and then Jesus brings the gospel and adds pain to pain because he, he kind of expands on what's expected, right? You can't just uh, uh, not murder someone. You can't hate your brother in your heart, right? You can't just not commit adultery. You can't even look at another woman lustfully. You've committed adultery, right? Oh, my goodness. And the exhortations to love your enemies and all these other things, right? More requirements for the for the Christian to keep. 
But Luther finally realized that the righteousness of God in talking about the gospel was not something that he manufactured, was not something that he brought about in service to the Lord, but that the Lord brought about through service to him, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Everything changed for Luther when he realized that through Christ, God was serving him, giving him his righteousness, creating him in him uh, a heart of service born from the gospel and God's loving service to him first. Right? He said it's like the, the gates of heaven were opened because of God's love for him. So we don't want to say service is bad, right? We read this and it's like, what's going on here? Service is not bad, it's needed. But the, the thing is, godly service without the Lord serving us is impossible, right? We are served well, actually we're served perfectly, and serving well through the power of the gospel. That, it has to happen that way. We don't give birth to good works through service by the law. God works in us new birth by the power of the gospel. His, his word and his spirit and his love, which finds all good things and its fulfillment in Christ. Right? It's the greater portion for us. It's the one thing necessary. The one thing needful. So why do we despise it? Following Christ's exhortation that we should receive the word and that it is the great portion, the learned Dr. Martin Luther kind of noticed just how apathetic people were <laughs> to God's word. Even pastors and priests. So he wrote the Catechism back in 1529, right? Because he found that, oh, we don't really need to think about or ruminate on the Ten Commandments and the Creed and the Lord's Prayer, much less the Scriptures. Well, that was different for Luther, right? Again, the Gospel jumps off the page. The Bible's alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs. It has hands. It lays hold of me. Right? Here's something else he said. He said, I do as a child who's being taught the catechism. And every morning, every morning, <laughs> I read and say word for word the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, the Psalms, and I must still read and study daily, and yet I cannot master it as I wish, but must remain a child. Right? Jesus kind of talks this way too. Must remain a child and pupil, and I am glad so to remain. Right? Luther kind of takes aim at pastors and, and priests and religious, uh, those who seem to are learned. But really, he takes aim at us all. We often despise God's word, he says, thinking that with one reading, or maybe two, or maybe three, whatever, we promptly be doctors above doctors and know everything and be in need of nothing. Right? It's so easy, and I know it's interesting because we're coming at it from the other side because we talk about the great resignation, right? And nobody wants to serve anymore. But it's also, there's another ditch. There's another ditch. 
right? Oh, my service is far more important. I don't have time for that. Uh, I've got, I'm, I've got to be about the business of busyness, right? And Luther said, of course, this is a sure sign that we are distracted. Perhaps with much serving uh, or savage amusement, right? Despising the one thing needful, apathetic about Christ's ongoing service to us and for us. He's here. And with those with this attitude, here's what Luther says. It's pretty harsh. Uh, they do not have to fall. They, are, they have already fallen. They have fallen already all too horribly. Again, they would need to become children, begin to learn their alphabet, which they imagine they have long since outgrown. Right? You're going to have problems if you don't know your alphabet. We don't know at all. Jesus always has more to teach us. He has more to give us. Right? And there are fruits and benefits to be derived from God's Word. When we place ourselves as hearers of the Word in Christ's service. Namely, the Holy Ghost is present. The Comforter who bestows ever more and more light and devoutness so that God's Word is daily relished and appreciated better. Right? Keeps, uh, creates, keeps, and sustains us in faith. We need it. We need the Spirit. Spirit comes through the Word. And then Luther gets really colorful. Besides, it is an exceedingly, that is God's Word, it is God's Word, Besides, God's Word is an exceedingly effectual help against the devil, the world, and our flesh and evil thoughts. Right? To be occupied by God's Word and to speak of it and meditate upon it, undoubtedly, you, you will not start a stronger incense or fumigation against those enemies. Right? Those pests that just seem to just hang around, can't get rid of it. God's word is the fumigation against the devil than by being engaged upon God's commandments and words, speaking, singing, thinking them, receiving them, right? For this is indeed the true holy water and holy sign from which these enemies flee and which they are driven away. There's nothing wrong with serving. Our service is needed. But what matters more is God serving us. His service to you, right? We are served perfectly and served well through God's Word. We are served perfectly and then are able to serve well through God's Word. Receive word and sacrament. Right? Not weekly, daily. Especially the word part. Receive these means of God's forgiveness in Christ. Receive these means by which Christ has promised to be present, to come to you directly, right through that word, and serve you. Find God's peace and pardon and protection in that word. Find God's rest, reassurance, and restoration in that word. Because let's face it, you are anxious and troubled about many things, aren't you? I know I am. 
anxious and troubled about a great many things. But one thing is necessary. The good portion. You need it, Jesus provides it. You need it. God will work through it. And He will not take it away from you. Amen. And may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.